0: because of our lack of sin or our perfection, Father. We can stand before you clean because you've washed us. you made us new, Father. So, Lord, we thank you. And, Father, it's a better word. There are plenty of words in the world, Father, but there's no better word than your word, Father. And so we thank you for these things, Father. And, Lord, we praise you, give you all the honor for them, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the Lord is good. Amen. Amen. We appreciate all the things the Lord has done for us. So um, we will continue on today in our discussion from Dr. McCrossin's book uh, called Bodily Healing and the Atonement. Uh, And, of course, he's making the case that healing was part of the redemptive work of Jesus on the cross. Uh, And, of course, that's kind of a, uh, in my mind, that's kind of an obvious thing. thing that whatever he did on a cross covers you know I mean everything right and, and so and and um, if he redeemed us he redeemed us spirit soul and body he wouldn't have just redeemed us in the realm of the spirit because he created spirit soul and body he would have redeemed us spirit soul and body you know, why would he only uh, consider the spirit to be the important part of things and so uh, and really You know, the arguments against uh, such doctrine that everything that Jesus did was completed in the act of redemption on the cross, uh, you know, really people just, they have certain doctrines that they just don't like. uh, And they will argue against those particular doctrines, whether it's healing, prosperity, um, you know, soundness of mind, uh, miracles, God speaks to you. uh, You know, a lot of the fundamental principles of the Pentecostal movement uh, much of the church is against those, uh, and, it, and it's really not because that they uh, are such great Bible scholars. It's because of their experiences, their, their life uh, walk that they, they've gone through, and, and they have not found success in a certain area. Maybe it's, maybe it's uh, you know, uh, health or, or prosperity, uh, and uh, if they can't have it, you can't have it, you know, and it's kind of that mentality, and, and so and then sometimes you get the Pharisees that just hate everything, you know, and it's just, you know, nobody's good enough for them, just like Jesus wasn't good enough for them. And so uh, there's, you know, uh, it, it, to me, it's just really odd that people are against anything that the word of God is clear about. And yet some people just fight you. I mean, you, you want to start a fight, just say, you know, I'm so thankful that God wants me to prosper financially with dollars and cents every day, right? I mean, actual money uh-huh. uh, and uh, not to be, we're well, not greedy or anything, but but, I mean, you just say something like that, and some people, their heads would just explode. You know, they would just have, a, have an aneurysm right there just saying that. And I'm not wishing any harm on anybody, but, uh, but they, they are vehemently, you know, mad about such doctrines. You know, I and mean, some people, especially if, 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 it, if they've had a, a close one in their life, uh, die of sickness and disease, will be adamant that God does not want to heal. Well God didn't heal my uh, my loved one, whoever that may be, and so therefore it's bad doctrine to say that, that God wants to heal uh, and uh, and even some sometimes in the in the uh, Pentecostal movement uh, we, we and we see that a lot of times in some of the the traditional Pentecostal uh, organizations you know, like Church of God and assemblies of God, uh, there has been some doubt and unbelief getting sowed into those. Uh, ministries uh, and it's hard to get that out I mean it, it's you know these been long held doubt and belief, and some of the uh, ideas of uh, well if it's God's will you know if it's thy will then heal them uh, that is, is uh, very strong in some of those organizations uh, and, it, and it goes way back right it, it didn't start out that way I mean uh, like many things it started out in a pure move of God and then men get a hold of things, and they, as fast as they can, they'll mess it up, right? And so, uh, but, you know, the, the Lord always tries to move things back to balance and, and back to the Word of God. Uh, and uh, there'll be times and seasons where those things will, will be readjusted as they should be, amen? Uh, and really, the Pentecostal church should be the, uh, the carriers of the, the pure faith of God, amen? In, in the, what we call the full gospel, I'm not a fan of that because it implies that my gospel is more full than your gospel and it's just the gospel, right? Uh, but we understand what we mean when we say full gospel. That means it includes salvation, but also healing and deliverance and soundness of mind and prosperity. And uh, and yet uh, much of the church doesn't live as if those things are so, uh, but we can. Amen. The, the good news is you can live as if the, the word of God is actually true. Uh, and so... And so, this particular section for Dr. McCrossin, he's basically making the point that, you know, uh, he's talked about here the reasons why uh, every child of God should accept Jesus as their healer. Uh, and then he's just going through some kind of a generic uh, promises that, look, this is a promise of God. Uh, you should be able to use that promise and not even argue about healing, but use that promise uh, and say, God wants me to heal. I mean, one of the great ones, I think, is the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever is that a true statement that the lord is good and that his mercy endures forever well then why why in the world wouldn't a good god want to heal you Uh, and and so when you when you say something like that uh, people of ignorance or people who uh, are strong and rooted in doubt and unbelief will argue over the definition of good Hmm. well how do you argue it's like arguing over the definition of air Right, what's air? Well, you know what air is. Well, brother, you know, God's air is different than our air. What? Hey, God created the air. Uh, but they argue, well, brother, you know, good doesn't really mean like good. It means, you know, God's kind of good, which, you know, God's ways are higher than our ways. And, you know, uh, and they'll say things like that and, and, and try to get you confused. And well, well, there's definitely one of us confused, but it's not me. Good is good. And a good God would want to heal you. Uh, you know, th- that should be like one of the simplest things. Uh, and I've told you many times that the only, I knew nothing of the word of God when I got saved. I mean, I knew I didn't know there was two testaments. I didn't know there were 66 books. I didn't know. I didn't know there were the gospels and I didn't know anything about the word of God. And I didn't really knew nothing about the Lord other than the Lord gave me the revelation that he's good. And I knew that. I mean, I, I, I just knew that by revelation. I, didn't, I wasn't taught that. I couldn't tell you a verse. I never heard that the Lord is good and his mercy and earth forever. I, but I knew inherently in my heart that God was good. And, and, and I just took that revelation and I would, I would review the word of God in, in the context that he's good. And so when I see that Jesus is healing, well, of course he'd heal because he's good. When I see, see God want to save men. Well, of course he would, because he's good. When I'd see God would prosper people. Well, of course he would, because he's good. And then, well, brother, you know, good doesn't mean good, you know. And so uh, nothing has changed, amen? Nothing has changed from before the foundation of the world, Just as far as mankind is concerned. Uh, we've always been men, and we, we uh left to our own devices. We will, we will walk away from God as far as we can, amen? And so we have to decide to stay close to God. Uh, and so he's just going through some examples. We, we looked at uh, Mark eleven twenty three 23 and 24 last week. Let's turn to John chapter 14. And he's just basically uh, doing a survey of a, a kind of a random collection of, of uh, promises. And he's saying, you know, if these promises are so, then healing has to be so. Uh, and so he said here in, in um, John chapter 14, let's start in verse 13, verse uh, 13. Uh, in fact, let, let's start in verse 12. Uh, he says, verily, verily, I say unto you, so this is Jesus talking, he that believeth on me the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do because I go unto the Father. And of course, you know, you can, you can spend a lot of time just talking about this verse. Uh, you know, if you start at the second half, where it says greater works than these shall he do because I go to the Father. Uh, that that tells you that the church today has the capacity to do greater works than Jesus did. And you think that's, that's amazing. But even sometimes people say, well, you know, this is only constrained to the greater quantity of works. Well, is it true that the church has the capacity to do the great, a greater quantity of works? Uh, be, uh, I think that's a true statement because how many of us are there compared to the Lord Jesus? Well, there's, you know, Billions of times, right? There's at least one to two billion Christians on the earth, at least confessing to some extent. You know, I don't know how active they are or or whatever, but there's a lot of us, amen. So surely, quantity-wise, we could, we would be able to just, just naturally speaking, uh, because the statistics actually do more things than Jesus was able to get done in the three and a half years that He was on the earth. I'm not sure we've actually arrived at there, but you know, potentially we could, amen. Uh, And for sure. Greater works than these uh, in a geographical sense. That's for sure true, amen, uh, because Jesus was constrained to the nation of Israel. He never went to Asia, never went to South America, never went to Alaska, uh, never went to many places that we go. And so the, uh, it is true in, as far as greater works than these. But I think it's perfectly fine to say there are things that the church will do from a supernatural standpoint that Jesus never did because he, he doesn't limit it to be quantity or ge- geography. He says greater works. and so if he says greater works, then we should be able to do greater works, amen, Uh, we have no, um, I know sometimes folks uh, have found some of this in there, uh, and you know, if if you want to see it that way, it's fine, but we don't see uh, directly where Jesus ever restored a missing limb, a leg or an arm, you know, some people missing a head, but that's a different discussion, but uh, we don't see any of that type of healing, but uh, have we have we heard of those stories even uh, in the church uh, after Jesus? left we have, uh, and so I think that's a greater work, right? We we saw, as far as we know, we don't know of Jesus ever doing any um, uh, removal of cancers or any other restoration, you know, from sickness and disease. Where we saw with leprosy, right, where they were made whole, and so that's a rest- restorative miracle. Uh, but other types of restorative miracles that would happen because of maybe cancer, somebody actually missing body parts. You know, a lot of times uh, it'll eat away parts of their body, you know, organs and things. And uh, we don't see those uh, examples of Jesus. Not that he did those, and, uh, but that we don't have record of them, right? Uh, and so those could be greater works. Uh, and, and, you know, the, sometimes I hear pe- people say, well, you, there should never be a miracle unless we see an example of it in the word of God. And I'm not sure that's a valid statement because uh, if that's true, then, for example, Philip was translated from one position to another location, geographical location. Uh, we never saw Jesus uh, transferred like that, right? translated like that. Uh, and so there were some things, even in the book of Acts, we see where Paul uh, sent handkerchiefs right, and aprons to, to other people and they were healed. We never saw an example of Jesus doing that. Uh, and so uh, really, uh, you, you shouldn't limit it to that. I know sometimes people will say, well, if you're not careful, you'll get into weird things, right? Then there was many weird things that have occurred. Uh, anybody remember the lady with the, the feathers that came out of, uh, out of her hands when she was praying? And she said, look, it's the power of the Holy Ghost, right? Well, that's really weird, right? I mean, you just, in your heart, that tells you well, that's weird. Uh, and, uh, and of course, then somebody took a, a video of it and, and watched it frame by frame, And saw her pulling them out of her sleeves, right? Because she'd wear these big long sleeves and pulling these chicken feathers, you know. So they weren't Holy Ghost feathers. Well, first of all, you know, you can judge everything by the Word of God. Uh, The Bible never says that the Holy Ghost was a dove. He said he he landed upon, lighted upon Jesus as a dove, right? In other words, in a gentle way, not in a bird way, right? He didn't fly upon him and land on him with feathers. Uh, And so to say that. This is the power of God, you know. That just that should just uh, uh, your your good sense should rise up and go. That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen, right? And yet, you know, she was on on national TV, on national circuits, right? And big name ministers would have her in, and they they uh, recorded her, you know, without her knowledge, uh, in a service, uh, and uh, found out that she was a fraud. Uh, well, okay, that you know well, the, the thing that the, the, the easiest way to figure out is this God or not is who or what is getting the glory. Right. See, so if you're saying, look at me, uh, you know, feathers are coming out of my hands, well, then who are you looking at? The feather hand person, right? Uh, well, and then uh, uh, in the same, almost the same kind of, uh, I don't know if it was the exact same uh, time frame, but it was close, uh, this one lady would have gold come out of her hair, right? and she'd shake her hair and gold would come out well I mean what, what I mean that's just, that's just weird right uh, there's no value in doing that right there's no sign or wonder that says God look at God it's the, the sign of wonders look at this lady's hair uh, and again the attention was upon her not upon the glory of God and, and, and so again that should have been an obvious one and yet uh, uh, I, think, I think that was the one that Brother Randy got in trouble about because he said that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen I don't think he quite said it like that way you know uh, he was probably more polite than I would be in, in that. But uh, then he even asked Brother Hagen, and, and, of course, Brother Hagen, you know, who's getting the glory? Well, Okay, well, then that, that should be obvious, right? But then uh, he, was, he fell in disfavor uh, with other ministers because he said that's not of God. And, of course, the Spirit of God told him that wasn't of God also uh, and that this person's uh, life would come to an end uh, shortly and they did. Both the husband and the wife passed away within you know, a week or two after he said that. Uh, and Why? Well, the Lord judged them because uh, he is very jealous of his glory and he will not share his glory because man, are, man is not worthy to be worshipped. And yet men crave to be worshipped because the devil craved to be worshipped. Uh, and so uh, it's unfortunate, right? And, and of course, even close to home you remember several years ago when the Bible that was producing uh, oil uh, came through, came through Dayton, right? Actually, it was another church here in Dayton uh, that invited these people to come in. And this, this, this Bible was in this they, Tupperware. You think it'd be like a, you know, like an emerald box or something, you know, it was in a Tupperware box, right? They could have at least upgraded a box a little bit, you know, but it was in this Tupperware box uh, and it would, it would continuously produce oil. And you could get oil as much as you wanted to out. It would never run out. And they said, this is of, this is of God. But who and what was getting the glory? It was the Bible. I want to see the Bible. I want to see the Bible. It's not I want to see the power of God. I want to see the Bible. Amen? Uh, and, of course, then somebody was taking video, took, uh, followed the fellow. They saw him go into Tractor Supply and leave Tractor Supply with two five-gallon buckets of oil. Uh, and and then, <laughs> then they tested it, and it had the same chemical makeup as oil from Tractor Supply. Now, maybe, maybe God was supernaturally using tractor-supply oil as well. I don't know. Uh, but uh, you know, later, when, when he was confronted, he finally fessed up. But yeah, uh, it, it, uh, we just made it up. Uh, and I read a long article about him, and, and what the Lord revealed to me is, you know, he, uh, now these people, the, the one thing about them, they weren't after money. Right? Most of the time when people are doing this, they're after money. Uh, and, and these people weren't after money, you know, I mean, they traveled, and, and people uh, gave them offerings, but there wasn't, you know, wasn't a big push for money, so, you know, I didn't feel, but the sense that I got is that uh, these two folks that were involved in this, and, and this group of people that were involved with it, they had been part of a, of a local church, and they weren't pastors, they weren't ministers, but they got, you know, got their feelings hurt from a, from a minister, you know, probably a pastor, and Uh, And in their hearts, they wanted to show that God can move outside the ranks of the leadership of the church, that they didn't have to have a pastor or didn't have to have leadership of the church for God to move. Uh, And so it was really just it was kind of an act of rebellion that, you know, uh, you all demand that we go to your church. Well, well, we can see God move without a church. And so that's what they did. And it was a fraud, as as it always is a fraud. Right. can God move outside the leadership of the church? He absolutely can. He desires, in fact, to operate through all the people of the church, not just the ministers. But he's, you still have to have ministers. Amen? You still have to have church leadership uh, because the Lord Jesus himself established it. Amen? And if you go about to try to, try to prove that, that the word of God is not so, then you will find yourself with, uh, with Tractor Supply Bible uh, running around saying it's the power of God. And and so uh, you know I'm not mad at anybody, but uh, I even had a lady come here. You know, look at this vial of oil. It will never run out. You know, I uh, I wasn't rude enough to just grab it and and turn it upside down. And well, let's just see. You know, come back and show me when if it's full again, right? Uh, And um, maybe I'll I'll be uh, brave one of those days to do stuff like that, right? But I think Elijah would have done that. Uh, And so, but again, who was getting the glory? It was the the Bible and the tub of oil. And people, they were just, they want to go see. You know, sometimes Jesus would say, look, uh, a great miracle happened. Let's, let's go away. Because people are, tr- are trying to form uh, and come around, not because they want God, because they just want to see something, right? Itching ears. Uh, and Jesus like, like, you know, we're not doing that. Uh, and so you have to be careful of those types of things. Amen. Uh, and so, so Jesus said, the works that I do, shall you do also. So uh, at the very minimum, we should be doing the same works that Jesus did. Is that what he says? So, so then the obvious question is, well, let's just make a list. What kind of works did Jesus do? Did he ever uh, feed people supernaturally? He did, right? So then the church should be feeding people supernaturally, not just by going to the grocery store, you know, when we have the capacity, uh, by leading by the, uh, being led by the Spirit of God, of course, to feed people supernaturally. Uh, and what about walking on water? Did Jesus walk on water? Well, then we should be walking on water, amen? Now, Uh, again, did Jesus walk on water every time? No, plenty of times. He was in the boat, right? And so if you say, well, unless you walk on water every time, well, Jesus didn't walk on water every time. So so people are trying to, you know, uh, put constraints on you to prove, uh, to make you prove that God is real. It's not my job to prove God is real. Uh, And so, but did Jesus walk on water? He did. Did he walk through walls? He did. Did he walk through people that are trying to to persecute him or or even kill him? He did uh, many times. Uh, did he also heal the sick he did so then we should be healing sick did he raise the dead he did then we should be raising the dead so i mean you should just go through whatever jesus did and say okay then then that's then that's okay for us to to do that amen Uh, and any other conclusion would be in error Uh, and yet much of the church says well god you know stopped healing when the last apostle died and yet jesus said the works that i do shall you do right so he's talking about a future tense there uh, and at some point in time you're going to do the works that I do right not right now you're still learning and still not born again yet uh, but um, there will come a time amen and greater he said and greater works than these shall he do because I go into the my father so this time th- this time period of the miracles that he's talking about he said will begin after he goes to the father well most people who who go to the first church of doubt and unbelief say it ended when he went to the Father, or shortly thereafter, after his last apostles died, uh, well, then that's really, why would he go to all the trouble and say, yeah, for 39 seconds after I die, you're going to do some more miracles, but then we're going to cut it off. Uh, and, and yet that's what, you know, people come up with crazy ideas like that. They got no Bible for it, but uh, they, they don't like this open-ended, well, you just miracles everywhere, just miracles. Oh, yeah, there should be miracles everywhere. There should be uh, the works of God everywhere, uh, through all of his people, not just through ministers. Uh, and so so this time period this phase that he's talking about began the moment he went to the father right in other words when he went to the cross uh, and really after the resurrection is when when he went back to the father Uh, and he said and whatsoever you shall ask in my name that will i do that the father may be glorified uh, in the son and if you ask anything in my name i will do it Uh, and so uh, verse 13 gives us the instructions about how we how we pray to the father whichever you ask in my name that will i do that the father may be glorified in the son uh, and so we ask uh, the father in the name of jesus uh, and i like what he says that the father may be glorified in the son when we ask and receive right um, then uh, who is glorified god is glorified the father is glorified right and a lot of times, people say, "Well, you know, I was sick, and I gave glory to God in my sickness." Uh, and and maybe that's true, but there there is no example of anybody who ever did that in in uh, for sure, in the in the Word of God. I know for sure in the in the New Testament, and I'm, I'm, I imagine it's the identical thing in the Old Testament. Uh, that the only time people gave glory to God was after they were healed. <clears throat> There's no glory to God in your sickness, Amen. Now, you can have a good attitude, and that, that's great, right? You can have a commendable attitude, and that's fine. Uh, but that, that shouldn't be your goal. I'm going to have the best attitude while I die. Now, that's, that's, not, that's not impressive, amen? It doesn't bring glory, glory to God in any way. Uh, what brings glory to God is when you yield and receive the power of God and show the world how good he is because he desires to heal you and you receive that blessing from him. Mm-hmm. Now, the point that Dr. McCrossin is, is, is making here. It says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Okay, uh, does whatever you ask, uh, and if you ask anything at all, does it apply to sickness and healing uh, as well? Because if you ask anything, well, then couldn't you ask for healing? Sure. Well, sure. Well, then does this promise come to an end? So, so in order to get rid of healing, you've got to get rid of this verse. Well, this is the generic verse. Uh, so a lot of, you know, uh, uh, well, I say a lot. Hopefully, some of those people who are full of doubt and unbelief in the area of healing would believe that this verse is true—that you can ask anything in His name and He'll do it for you. Uh, maybe they find a way around that as well, right? Uh, they, they're always trying very hard to remove the promises of God that, that are obvious, right? Uh, and so, uh, again, this is generic promise, so you can use this promise for healing as well as prosperity, as well as soundness of mind and deliverance, and anything that you have need of. Lord, uh, I can ask you anything in my name. Yep, then then, then I'm going um, to do it, right? And the word do there means to make, cause, work, uh, or keep or fulfill. So the Lord's going to do it. He's going to make it. He's going to keep it. Amen. Uh, and he's going to fulfill uh, whatever desire that you, have, that you have of him. We're in chapter 14. Uh, just jump over to chapter 15. Uh, same book there. And, of course, we know this, uh, this verse really well. Uh, he said if, in verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Well, it's a very similar promise to chapter 14 there, but in chapter, uh, in chapter 14, of course, uh, the constraints were, the requirements were that you ask in his name. Amen? Uh, he gives uh, some other constraints in this verse. Uh, in other words, uh, prerequisites that you're required to complete before he does his part. Amen? So does he want to, to give you whatever that you ask? Sure. Uh, so does that mean he's just going to do it without your involvement at all? No. It means he's going to wait on you. He's made the promise. Now he's waiting on you to fulfill your part of, of the prerequisites for the promise before he can fulfill the promise in your life. And, of course, what are the, the, there's three requirements here, right? Uh, what's the first one? If you what? Abide in me, right? Remain in him. Stay uh, attached to him. Amen? Uh, in other words, uh, if he says to be good, then you should be good. If he says to be merciful, be merciful. If he says to read his word, then you read your word. If you read his word, if he says to pray, then you pray. That means you're abiding, you're re- remaining in him. You're doing what he's telling you to do, and you desire to look for, for instructions and to follow those. Uh, so you're remaining in him, remaining attached to him. A lot of people, you know, they get saved, and they don't remain attached to Jesus. They don't go to church, they don't pray, they don't fellowship with the saints of God. They, they're off on their own, uh, but they, so they're not about it. Now, a lot of us say, oh, you know, I love Jesus my own way. That's a lie. It's not true. There's no I love Jesus my own way. You love Jesus the way the word of God tells you to love Jesus, or you don't. Uh, and, and so, and don't, you know, when you get to heaven, the Lord's going to go, oh, well, you know, it's okay. You, you had your own path. It's different than what I said for you. It's okay. He's not going to say that. Amen. Now, so you got to abide in him. Uh, and uh, what's the second requirement? that his words abide in you, amen? Well, what's that mean? Well, do you know what the word of God says? Are you reading the word of God? Are you meditating on the word of God? Doesn't mean you can quote every book, chapter, and verse that's in the whole Bible, but doesn't mean that you love the word of God, that you study the word of God, that you pursue it, that you try to complete it in your life. Uh, so do his words abide in you? You know, a lot of times when you, when you poke people, all kinds of nasty things come out. Well, you should be able to poke a Christian and, and they say, thus saith the Lord. You know, I mean, that should be what happens when you poke a Christian. But a lot of time, you poke a Christian and you got a duck, right? Because terrible things come out. Uh, and, and so, so his word should abide in you. Uh, and uh, you know, it's it's amazing to me how many Christians love to read about the Word of God. They just don't read the Word. You know, there's no substitute for just reading the Word. I got no problem reading books. You know, the people have written. You know, I've written books. Now, I got no problem with with, with that type of of, of uh, relationship with the Lord. And reading, you know, because it gives insight, you know, people, the Lord's given revelation to people and that's perfectly fine. But if you just never read the Bible, just, you know, and I've had people tell me it's too hard to read and they just kind of write it off. Well, it's too hard to read. Therefore, I will never read it. And, and, and so Jesus said, in order to ask what you will, you've got to remain in my word. Well, Jesus, I, I couldn't do that, but I still want you to, to do whatever I ask you. And Jesus is like, you're not qualified. The promise is true, but you are unqualified. You don't like my word. You don't study my word. You don't believe in my word. You don't pursue my word. Then you're unqualified. You, then, although I, I desire to give you whatever you ask, uh, I'm waiting on you to meet the qualifications before I do. And again, it's not about you know you got to read the word. Uh, I mean, some people. I had a fellow get up one time and say, "Well, the Lord told me to get up every day at five thirty and pray." So you you all need to be getting up at five thirty in the morning and pray. And well, the problem is you see the example of Jesus. Sometimes did Jesus ever get up early and pray? Many times he did. Does the Bible ever say Jesus and w- w- prayed all night, uh, stayed up late and prayed? It does. So which one is it? Well, it's not it. There's no time. There's no law in the word of God that says if you, you've got to get up. And, so he didn't say, do what I do in order to, to ask and receive. He says, do, do what the word of God tells you to do. Amen. And yeah, if the Lord tells you to get up at 5.30 and pray, then you should get up at 5.30 and pray, amen? Uh, and so sometimes we, we try to project onto other people because we're a little resentful. The Lord told us to get up at 5.30. Well, I don't really want to get up at 5.30, but if I have to, then you're going to have to. Well, don't get resentful because the Lord tells you to do something. Just enjoy it and, and because he, he, there's a reason why he told you to do that. Uh, but if there's no book, chapter, and verse, don't make it a law to other people, amen? Does the Lord say to pray? Uh, in fact the bible says pray without ceasing right. so well that means you have to pray in the morning in the evening in the afternoon and, and 205 in, in in the day of course he doesn't mean that to, to actually you couldn't if you prayed without ceasing you wouldn't eat or sleep or anything like that so you don't make it a law he just means always live in an attitude of prayer uh, and you, there should be an attitude of prayer in your life in every area of your life amen uh, and so uh, so he said, "Abide in me." That's the first responsibility. the Second responsibility is words abide in you. That's the second. That's the second one there. The third one is you shall ask, what you will. And many Christians are afraid to ask. They're they're, they're uncomfortable asking. Well, I just figured if God wanted me to have it, Lord, if it's your will, well then uh, then you're not asking. Then you're just hoping that God will sovereignly move and give to you something that you desire. And yet the Word of God is clear. He said, my desire is to, for you to ask whatever you want to ask and I'll grant that to you. Of course, the other requirements about abiding in him and his words abiding in you, you know, to me, I, I really like uh, John fifteen seven 7 because uh, it, it, it gets rid of the excess that many people say, well, then you should ask for a pink elephant or you should ask for your neighbor's wife or you should ask for the biggest house in town to brag about it. Uh, and and If you really abided in Jesus, would you ever ask for anything that wouldn't bring glory to God? No, you would never ask for something that you could obtain your own glory that would be dishonorable to the Lord, amen? Uh, And so you never ask for something that would be sinful that would bring dishonor to the Lord, amen? Uh, And so if you're abiding in the Lord uh, and his words abide in you, that desire would never rise up in your life. So that's the balance, right? People say, well, then you're, you know, you're just saying you to ask for anything. No, I'm saying you ask for anything as long as you're abiding in him. Well, what could that anything be? Well, if you're abiding in him, there's a lot of things you could ask for, right? You should be able to ask for anything related to uh, your, your personal comfort, right? Your personal prosperity, your personal health. You should be able to ask, that, thats and that's a lot of stuff right there, right? You could ask for a lot of things. Uh, and so, yeah, there's some things you shouldn't ask for because it wouldn't bring God glory but if you're abiding in him and his words are abiding in you, you would never desire to do ask that anything. Anyway, amen. Uh, and but yet people will try to, they ignore the first parts of verse 7 because they're trying to, to put a hypothetical situation for the end of verse 7 and say it can't be so because you can't ask for things like that. Well, nobody who's abiding in him would ever ask for those certain types of things. Amen. Uh, and so it's a, what we call a straw man. You know, they're just making up a hypothetical situation to, to disprove the basic premise of this verse, amen? Uh, And again, just just like he said in chapter 14, verse 8, it says, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Well, what fruit is he talking about? Well, in context, he's talking about the fruit of you asking for things and receiving things, right? You've asked for things, and now things have been added to you like a fruit is added to you. Uh, And so Jesus said, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. He wants you to pray a lot and receive a lot. And when you pray a lot and receive a lot, then you bring glory to God. Uh, And that's not hard to understand. Uh, That's it. it, it, It's it's exactly what he said in chapter 14. Right. That you bring glory to God uh, uh, by doing these things. Amen. Uh, And so remember, he said that that the father may be glorified in the son because you've asked for something. Well, that's what he said in chapter 14. And so now he said, here is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. So again, we're bringing glory to God by asking and receiving. So uh, now, uh, chapter uh, 15, verse 7, it's a generic verse, right? Ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. So could healing be included in that? Well, I mean, he didn't put a constriction, uh, a, a, a limitation on this verse, did he? Ask whatever you want to. Well, yeah, but not that. Well, he didn't say that, right? He didn't say, well, no, you know, I mean, it, it, would healing be a good thing? Would healing bring glory to God? Well, he did. I mean, again, anytime we saw anybody that had sickness uh, and disease glorify God, it was only after they received uh, healing. And so if you received healing after you've been sick, would God not get the glory for that? He would. Amen. Uh, and, so, and I know some people could probably misuse that and say, look at me, how spiritual I am, you know, that I, I received healing and you didn't. You know, people can warp anything, but that doesn't do away with the, the truth that the Lord promised here, right? Uh, and so can you apply, ask what you will to, to healing and sickness and disease? Absolutely, right? Uh, there's, there's no limitation, amen? Uh, and so let's turn over to, and he's just going through some, some verse, but these are good verses, right? So let's turn over to First John uh, chapter 3. look at uh, what he said here in 1 John chapter 3 uh, he said in verse 22 and whatsoever you ask uh, and whatsoever we ask we we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things which are pleasing in his sight Uh, and so uh, again just like other verses are there any prerequisites well whatsoever we ask we receive of him because or why or uh, we because we have met these qualifications, the qualifications are we've kept his commandments and we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So if you're not keeping his commandments and you're not doing things that are pleasing in his sight, then you are unqualified for, the, for this promise, right? He, he's got prerequisites on this promise. Uh, and so, but he said, if you meet those qualifications, then whatsoever you, uh, we ask, we receive of him. Okay, so uh, whatsoever is a big word. Does that include like everything? It includes everything. Does it include every realm, spirit, soul, and body? It includes every realm, spirit, soul, and body. Uh, and so uh, would you uh, be changing the word of God by applying this verse to healing? No. Would you be uh, out of order by using this verse of the Lord? You said, whatever, whatever I ask, I'll receive of you. Then, then uh, I mean, they're saying whatever they did, but they said, here's why we're able to do that. We're able to do that because we met these qualifications. Well, you can meet those same qualifications Is God a respecter of persons. He wouldn't say, well, yeah, I mean, you're doing the same thing they're doing, but I'm going to bless you, but I'm not going to bless you. But Lord, we're all doing the same thing. Yes, I know, but I just like them better. Uh, that, that's the only way that God would do that for them, but not do that for you. And he says, and whatsoever we ask. So he's not, he's not talking about John the apostle who wrote the book he's on about the church as a whole and whatever we ask we receive of him so he's including he's bringing us into uh, this promise right he's written, he's written this uh, book to the church but most of the time he'll say i if he's talking about just him but when he says we he's bringing you in with it so you're included in this promise whatsoever we ask we receive of him if we complete these prerequisites which means which include keeping his commandments and doing those things which are pleasing in his sight so whatsoever we ask Got to include healing, doesn't it? Amen? And again, people will argue, you know, argue this case, amen, uh, and say um, uh, that these things don't apply today. But the problem is there's too many examples in the Word of God. Yeah, you, I mean, they could say, you know, they may argue about the, the strong ones that are specifically talking about healing, like First Peter 2.24, by his stripes you were healed. Well, brother, you know, okay, they're gonna, they may argue that one, but they can't do away with with First John 14, 1 John 15, uh, or John 14, John 15, 1 John chapter 3, they're uh, you, going to be spending all their time trying to ignore the word of God. and, and But the weight of the promises should overwhelm their doubt and belief. Amen. I know it doesn't, but, uh, uh, but you know, we can still try to help them if we can. Amen. Uh, and so, so and of course, and, and then he mentioned we, we had already spent a lot of time talking about John, James 5 uh, 14 and 15 where it talks about calling for the elders of the church uh, and, and um, uh, is john is james 5 14 and 15 is it written to the church oh, yeah. or you can call for the elders of the church right uh, and the, the prayer of faith will save the sick uh, and so uh, and yet people will try to do away with that amen and, and they do they they, or they they try to do but they don't they're not successful at that uh, and so 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 he's he summarizes this then with uh, that even if healing wasn't paid for in the atonement, which of course it was, right? And of course, when he says atonement, he's meaning the redemption, right? Uh, he's using Old Testament word there, but uh, really the, the uh, proper word would be paid for in the redemption, the, the completed act of redemption. Uh, but what he's saying is, even if it wasn't, right? Even if you say, well, when I went to the cross, I paid for your healing. Even if that's not the case jesus besides that gave us all these other promises that are generic that we can apply those generic promises of faith and obtain healing amen so we don't have to it's not that uh, of course we know that by his stripes you were healed so that was paid for in in the redemptive act of the cross but let's say he never quoted that verse let's say he never wrote that verse down that by his stripes you were healed which would then say okay he didn't it wasn't anything in particular he did on the cross Specifically for healing, right? Because we know the blood was shed for sin, uh, and the body was beaten for for healing, and the the crown of thorns was the peace of God. You know, so a lot of what he did was for specific things, right? That he he allowed himself to suffer in these specific ways, right? By by being rejected of the Lord, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So that paid for our spiritual uh, rebirth, right? By being uh, forsaken spiritually. Than that he paid for uh, us being separated spiritually from God, so uh, many of the actual acts that he completed on the cross were for specific parts of redemption. Uh, 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 And let's so let's say he was never allowed himself to be beaten. Uh, Maybe he just went straight to the cross and never took any stripes, uh, and uh, and never said, never quoted by his stripes, "You were healed." Uh, Would would we still have a promise that we could use to obtain healing? Well, sure, any of these promises we just read are all generic, right? They're not, they weren't promises that were bought and paid for at the cross. They were just promises that God gave to you because he loves you. Uh, and so you could use any of those generic promises for healing. Uh, and so, so, and that's the point that he was making. So he said, even, even if healing wasn't paid for in the act of redemption, these promises applied by faith, you can still obtain the, the desired healing. And that's what Dr. McCrossman, and he made, that's a good point, Right. Uh, and so people say, well, by his stripes you were healed, doesn't apply anymore. Or when the last apostle died, or well, then they say, well, what about uh, John 15, 7? Mm-hmm. Well, brother, that's not included. Okay, what about John fourteen thirteen? Well, brother, that's not included. What, well, okay, what about 1 John three twenty two? Well, that's not included. Yet. What about James five fourteen? Well, that's not included. Like, well, well, then what is included? If none of those things apply, right? What's that? And uh, people in the Old Testament, they got do with Yeah. Yeah, there are plenty of people in the Old Testament healed, right? supernatural, right? Uh, The widow's son uh, was raised from the dead. Abraham prayed for for Abimelech, you know, the king. Uh, There's lots of people that were healed in the Old Covenant, uh, and they didn't even have the promises that we have today, right? They just had the covenant of God, that he had a relationship with mankind on the earth through his covenant of Abraham, and they used that to their advantage and said, well, you know, Lord, uh, I mean, he said in uh, Psalm 107.20 that he sent his word and healed them. Uh, and he also said in the book of psalms talking about the nation of israel he said they they came out of uh, of egypt and there was not one feeble among them and you think about that not one feeble uh, i mean typically right i mean we're not going to put this curse on anybody but typically as people age they get feeble Uh, you think there were any older people in egypt when they left uh, uh, when they left egypt well, there's, you know, there's a million people up to, you know, a couple of million people that left Egypt, uh, of the Israelites. And you're telling me there wasn't a single old person in the whole group. They were only young and healthy people. No, that's not, I mean, uh, how old was was uh, Moses when he left Egypt? He was 80 years old, right? I mean, he, he, he'd he been out in the wilderness for 40 years, and, and he came back when he was 80. And, and, um, uh, and so, Miriam and Aaron were, were older than he was. Uh, and so, Uh, they were all fine right and so he said there's not one feeble among them well you can say well Lord if there's not one feeble among them then then I don't have to be feeble either Uh, and so and that's a generic promise amen Uh, and so um, you know the the whole argument about these things it never makes any sense and it it never can withstand any scrutiny at all from the word of God and yet people uh, and I'm not trying to fight anybody don't I'm not interested in arguing with anybody but to me it's sad that people would would reject so many different verses in the Word of God. You know, it's not like there's just one verse for healing. There's literally hundreds of verses that you could uh, uh, faithfully apply to healing and obtain healing if you wanted to. Uh, if you wanted to, and yet people um, people just don't want to do it. You know, and uh, it's beyond me why, right? Uh, and so then he asked the question: Is does does the same faith used to be saved also apply to healing? And so he's just asking a question, and he's going to look at an example here. Let's turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 9. So what, he, what he's asking is, you know, is faith faith? Uh, uh, and, and, you know, he makes a point there, and we'll make a little bit, a little bit of a counterpoint to that. Uh, and we'll ex- explain that here in just a minute. But here he says, and this is in, in um, uh, Matthew, chapter 9, and uh, let's start in verse 18. He says, uh, but while he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a ruler, a certain ruler, and worshiped him, saying, my is even, even now dead, uh, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. Uh, and Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall behold. And Jesus turned about him, turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith has made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that, from that very hour. So what did he say caused her to be made whole? Now, we know the word whole there is the Greek word sozo, and, and it means that she was healed, right? Because we know the Greek word sozo uh, means deliverance, salvation, and healing. Uh, and so uh, it's really, it really just means es- essentially deliverance, but the, the thing you're being delivered from uh, depends on the context of the story. So in this case, she was delivered from sickness. Other times we, we went through the whole discussion, sometimes you can be delivered from spiritual death, right? Which is salvation. Sometimes you can be uh, delivered from uh, physical harm like the disciples were on the boat, or you can be delivered from sickness and disease. So it, that's, that's the essence of the Greek word sozo. Uh, and people will say, well, it wasn't translated as healed. Well, okay. I didn't translate it, right? And neither did God. God didn't write the Bible in King James. God wrote the Bible in, in, the, in Greek. Amen? Uh, and so to get the full, the full understanding of the word of God, it's not that you have to read Greek, but you have to appreciate that uh, it's helpful sometimes to go back to the original language and see what the words were being, which words were being used and what the full definition of those words are because uh, the word of God is progressive revelation and uh, you know, some of these uh, translators, they did a pretty good job, but sometimes they, 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 they couldn't get that far, right? Uh, the Revised Standard Version, when they were, when they were writing it back in, in uh, right after World War II, uh, came up to Isaiah 53 and 4, talking about, you know, that, uh, that he bore our sorrows and, and carried our griefs, right? Which is the King James, but it really should he carried our, sin, our, our pains and our sicknesses. That's what, that was the original Hebrew, right? Uh, and that would have been the correct translation, but they got to that, that verse and said, we, we can't translate it to sicknesses and pains. Because if we do, we're going to play right into the hands of those people who believe in healing, and, and we're going to say, look, uh, we're going to give them a strength to, to say, see, healing is for today. So we're not doing that. Well, they made a conscious decision to... Now, when they started the translation, they said uh, our, the basic premise is just whatever the words are, that's what we're going to translate it as. You know, we're, just, we're not going to make a, a... We're not going to try to coerce the word of god to say something it doesn't say we're just if that's what it means and that's what, how we're going to translate it until they got to isaiah 53 and they panicked right i they, think they, their doubt panicked and so and so they wouldn't do it so uh okay then men are flawed right when men translate it they are flawed that's why you know people, why why do we need more than one english translation because like anything, words are a, a poor way to express the fullness of God's uh, desire. Uh, and uh, as we progress in our society and we gain more knowledge and in, uh, insight, we have better, word, better ways and better words to express the fullness of God's desire that he originally wrote in the original languages. Uh, and so it's helpful to have more than one translation uh, and people will argue about that. You know, only King James. Well, that's—I mean, that was 1600 years after Jesus. And really, people say it's only, it's only the original King James. It's not even true, because the original King James—I've got a copy in my in my office back there. It's just a—you a, uh, know—it's a, a, a facsimile. It's facsimile, right? It's not an exact copy of it, but it, they just copied the original thing and they printed it out, uh, and they did it when on the 400 year anniversary so in 2011 they did a 400 year anniversary uh, replica of the original King James Bible Uh, and and you can open it up it's impossible to read you cannot read it uh, because it's in the gothic print and not only is in the gothic print that's very difficult to read Uh, much of the they they, they use the letter v when we use the letter u and I mean it's all kinds of things that doesn't make any sense and it really was uh, the late 1700s around 1789 when Oxford, Oxford University went through and said, well, let's just clean this up. Uh, uh, We're not going to change any words, but we're going to use common spelling for a lot of things uh, and and get rid of these V's, you know, get rid of these I's instead of J's, and we're going to clean it up and and use modern spelling, you know, Uh, and so that was uh, 170 years or so after the King James translation was was first published, And, and when you read King, I'm reading King James today, but what I'm reading is what the Oxford University did in the late 1700s, not the original King James, amen? Well, you, you know, and they say, well, all, the original King James, that's all we do. No, you don't. You, you read a modified version of the King James translation, amen? One that's actually readable uh, today. And, of course, some people don't like all the these and thous and the, the, the ETHs and all those things. You know, and, you know I, I like the King James. I just like the, I like the sound of it. It's a beautiful translation, you know. Uh, and um, it's not the only one, though, amen? <clears throat> and so... Don't uh, you want to argue about it? Uh, you know that just—it's so boring. Amen. To argue about it, uh, and so uh, when he said, "Daughter, thy faith is made made thee whole," so she had faith, right? That what God said that He would do, because her faith was in what she said within herself: "If I but touch His garment, I shall be whole." So her faith was in the power that Jesus had, and and, and she knew that He didn't have to lay hands on her. He, she knew that he didn't have to speak a word. She knew that, that he, he traveled with the power of God everywhere he went. And so she had faith in that. And she said, all I have to do is access that, that power and I'll, I'll, I will receive healing. And Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made your faith in what you just said. Because she, that's what she said. For she said within herself, she, he said, your faith with what you've been saying is what made you whole. Your faith is what, what cause you to receive healing. Your faith, right? Not my faith, not, not the faith of Jesus. Her faith, the faith that she had. Amen? So the faith that she, that she ha- had developed over time because faith takes time to develop, right? And, and so uh, that's that version of it. Now let's look over in, in uh, Luke uh, chapter 7. Uh, let's see, let's start um, Luke chapter seven, chapter seven, chapter seven. Um, well, let's see Well, let's just start uh, let's just start in verse forty because the the context of, of this story is important to, to look at. Uh, Jesus answers to them, Simon, so this is when um, uh, back in verse 36 it says, "And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him." And Jesus went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And then, of course, then this is story with the story with the woman that anointed his feet. And Jesus said, uh, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. So this is not Simon Peter. This is Simon the Pharisee, right? Uh, he said, I have something to say to you. And he said, Master, say on. You got to be careful of, uh, when the Lord says, hey, I've got something to tell you. Oh, yeah, just tell me, Lord. Uh, yeah, he's setting you up. Just in case you didn't know, he's setting you up, Okay. Uh, you know you should let him set you up if he wants to set you up let him set you up but he's setting you up right Uh, and so because he's saying basically jesus saying look you told me to tell you so now i got to tell you Uh, and so there was a certain creditor which had two debtors one owed 500 pence and the other 50 and when they had nothing to pay he frankly forgave them both Uh, freely forgave them both tell me therefore which one of them loved him most and simon answered and said i suppose that he to whom he forgave most and he said unto him Thou hast rightly judged. Uh, and I'll just take a, a, a small side journey. Notice it's uh, the reason why they loved him is because uh, they were forgiven. Amen. Some people like to re- rewrite this verse and say the one who sinned the most. It's not the one who sins the most that loves the Lord. It's the one that the Lord forgave the most. Uh, and and the reason why this is important to me be, because you know, when I was a sinner before I got saved, I, I was pretty much a failure at, at being a sinner. I was I was not a very good sinner. Some people are professional sinners, but I, I wasn't. You know, uh, when when I was twelve, I decided I should start cussing, uh, and and I was really, so I was so bad at it, I just quit. I just I mean, I just I couldn't. I, I just quit cussing, uh, and I've never smoked a cigarette. I've, I've never been drunk. Uh, you know, a lot of things uh, that people have done, uh, that. Uh, I, I didn't do. Uh, and so people have implied to me that, well, because you didn't, you didn't sin as much as I did, uh, that means I love God more than you do. And I was reading this verse one time and, and, and the Lord just gave me a revelation. He didn't say who, who sins the most, loves sin the most. It says who, who was forgiven the most. And when you understand forgiveness and you understand that even the smallest sin, even the smallest infraction against God is, uh, is a terrible thing, you, you can appreciate how much God uh, forgave you. And, and if you really understand it, then there are no big sins and little sins. There's just sin. Uh, and, and if you realize how much God forgave you, then it uh, doesn't matter if you had committed murder or never committed murder. If you have the revelation of how much he forgave you because how much your sin is an infraction against the, the, the holiness of God, then, then you would love him. Amen? Amen. And so you don't have to be a professional sinner to have loved God. You just have to have the revelation that, that even your little sins that nobody would even care about were a, a terrible thing against the, the perfection of God, and he and yet he still chose to forgive you. See, then you can love him a lot. Amen. So I don't love anybody less just because I didn't sin as much as they did. Amen. But they try to imply that. They try to imply, well, I've sinned more than you, so I love God more than you do. Uh, I don't, you know, whatever. I don't know why you decide, you know, why why is that something to argue about? Amen. Uh, it's just to it's just to uh, walk in pride. Uh, and, and, you know, some people have pride of their sinful days. Oh, I was such a great sinner. You know, they'll, they'll kind of brag on by it, almost act like they kind of want to be that way again. Uh, those days should be long gone and, and never desired to be that way again. Uh, and there they should be uh, things that, uh, you know, no, no problem having a testimony about that. But really your testimony begins the day you get born again, not, not testifying of the wonderful things you did for Satan. Uh, and so... So we'll move on. Amen. Uh, Jesus said, you're right. In verse 44, and he turned to the woman and said, Simon, see, see thou this woman? I entered in thy house. They gavest me no water for my feet, but she washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman has anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore, I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. Why? Because she loved the Lord. You know the, the interesting thing that I love about this verse is she just loved the Lord so much, in spite of her sin. You know she's in tears because she knows that He is her Savior. And the joy of knowing that He had He had the capacity to wash away her sins brought such joy to her that she was weeping. Not weeping out of uh, out of the weight of her sin, weeping out of the joy for her uh, for her forgiveness, uh, and so. Uh, he said, wherefore, I say to her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. See, uh, <clears throat> it, uh, it, she loved much because of what he did for her, but to whom little is forgiven, the, the same loveth little. So, see, again, you have to have revelation that, that, that all of you, if you sin just a little bit, then you were forgiven a lot. Amen? So it's not, it's not big sins, little sins. All of us were forgiven the same amount. The precious blood of Jesus was shed for all of us. Amen? Uh, and so he said unto her uh, thy sins are forgiven and they they that uh, sat at meat with him began to say within themselves who is this that forgiveth sins also now in the context of this uh, this is only talking about her sins right she's not sick not diseased not doesn't have any ill in her uh, that we know of it but he says in verse 50 and he said to the woman thy faith has saved thee go in peace Uh, and so now in this case that word saved there is the identical same Greek word as we saw uh, in Matthew chapter 9 where she was sick and she was made whole or she was uh, made uh, or she was saved right Uh, I think you know they didn't do a good job by by using the same word saved here right and uh, and even made whole I think they should have used healed uh, or delivered from sickness and disease that that would have been an appropriate thing to say here In this case she was delivered from her sin so in Matthew chapter 9 they were delivered from the sickness and disease but in this case uh, the the point that he's making is uh, it's the same the same words were used uh, for faith in both cases where he said thy faith same Greek word but in one case faith was applied to towards healing in the other other case faith was applied towards forgiveness Uh, and so uh, what, the point that Dr. McCrossin is making is faith can be applied to any limitation in your life. If you need forgiveness, faith can be applied, you can obtain forgiveness. Uh, if you have sickness and disease, faith can be applied and you can be healed. Uh, and so the only way to get rid of the doctrine of healing is to, is to get rid of the doctrine of faith. Amen? Because faith can, can obtain uh, healing, faith can obtain forgiveness. And so the only way around that is to get rid of faith. Well, if you get rid of faith, for by grace are you saved through what? Through faith then nobody can be saved amen so that kind of does away with the whole thing amen it kind of does away with the whole argument that that healing is not for us today because uh, how many different situations I and mean, we, we can go through them uh, how many different scenarios where where Jesus said thy faith has made thee whole many people right be it done according to thy faith <clears throat> and so so uh, unless you can get rid of faith uh, you can't get rid of healing amen uh, and so, and, and that's the point that he's trying to make there. And I, you know, I think it's a good point there. And so, there's a couple of other things that he, that he talks about, uh, but uh, we're going to have to take a little bit rabbit path on, on the next section there uh, uh, about some of the things that he said. So, uh, but it'll be good. Amen. So, but I, I like the, uh, you know, to me this is this is a good argument because it's really kind of avoiding uh, specifically discussion of healing, and just talking about generic faith, right? Generic promises. That uh, can be applied towards healing, or in this case, faith that can be applied towards healing, or could be applied towards uh, healing, be applied towards, uh, towards forgiveness of sins. And so, uh, <clears throat> uh, do you have faith? Do you believe that God does what He says He's going to do? Do you believe that God loves you? That God's a good God? That's just generic faith. There. Uh, well, I believe God loves me. Okay, then you should be able to be healed. Uh, I, you know, I, I believe that God's a good God. Okay, then you should be able to be healed. If you really have faith in God's goodness then you can get healed. If you got faith uh, that uh, God loves you, then you should be able to get healed. Amen? Amen. Uh, now, we know that uh, if you're lacking in certain areas, it's helpful to develop faith along those lines, right? But, you know, really just knowing that God is good, I mean, you can get healed just on that. Amen? Uh, you don't have to know that. He said, by his stripes you were healed. Well, I didn't know that, but I knew God was good. So uh, can he heal me if God's good? Well, sure he can. Amen? Uh, but you know you can develop your faith in specific areas like healing or or answer to prayer or you know whatever area that you need right wisdom you know anything like that you can develop your faith in those areas uh, uh, and that's helpful you you should do that amen but you know if you're not there just go to the generic verses and go well god's good okay then i should be healed right god loves me okay then i should be healed amen Uh, and i like that it's hard to work around that amen doubt and unbelief you know, that has to work double time, overtime to, to do away with those verses. Amen. And by the time they do away with everything, there's nothing left in the Bible other than the, the maps. Right. So we'll us pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we do thank you for the word of God. And, Father, we thank you that uh, these promises apply to all of us, Father, that faith can obtain healing. Faith can obtain forgiveness, Father. It's just the same faith in you. We believe that you're a good God, that you answer prayers of your people. And so, Father, we thank you that if these things are so then we can live in divine health all the days of our life. Uh, we thank you for these things, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. We'll pick this up next week there. And uh, he's still got some more uh, examples. You know, he did a good job of looking at all these examples here for us. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, one thing Brother Hagen said a lot of times, he said, you know, I see healing in every verse. You know, God is good. Okay, there's healing, right? God loves me. Well, there's healing, right? Uh, God, uh, the works that I do, so you do also. Okay, there's healing, right? Um, and so, you know, it, it's hard not to see, see that everywhere, right? Uh, because, you know, healing and sickness and disease, uh, sickness and disease particularly, is a big problem in the church, amen? And that's why we have a class just on healing because it's such a problem, amen? But it's also an, an, an opportunity for the church to use that knowledge and to go show people outside the church how good God is. Amen? You can go outside the church and, and pray for the sick uh, and get them healed and say, look, see, God loves you. Uh, he desires good things for you. And let me show you why. I, I'll, I'll pray for your child. I'll pray for you, and you can receive healing. And God just wants to show you how good he is. They use that uh, to an, as an evangelistic tool with great success in the book of Acts. Amen? Uh, so praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll pick this up next week. So, of course, two weeks from today, Brother Randy will be with us, and he'll do the morning service and healing school, and uh, we'll have our church meal then, uh, and um, looking forward to seeing him. Uh, his schedule has been picking up quite a bit, uh, notice, on, online there, uh, and that's good, you know. Um, it'd be good for, for the whole church, the body of Christ, to, uh, uh, to listen to Brother Randy, amen, especially since he stands in the office of the prophet. You know, we all need to have access to, to the prophet He's not the only prophet, you know, but the prophet's ministry, the ministry of the prophet. Uh, and um, uh, come ahead and receive the offering. And we know, like any ministry, you know, just because you say you're a prophet doesn't mean you're a prophet, right? I mean, in fact, uh, uh, Ezekiel talked about the prophets who say, thus saith the Lord, and the Lord hath not spoken. I mean, that, that, that was a big deal, right? It was a big problem, right? Oh, yeah, God said that. And God's like, I didn't say that. Who said that? It wasn't me, you know? And so, anyway, praise God. Uh, we have we have great confidence in Brother Randy. He's he's uh, done the work to uh, to prove himself to the Lord. Amen. And we thank thank the Lord for that. All right, we'll be blessed and and uh, we'll see you all on Wednesday. Right.